On our last show, I talked to Carlin Tucker, who grew up in the Midwest, poorest county in Michigan, and parlayed his character and work ethic and creativity into a huge and very successful series of businesses now with north of $6 billion in sales. But I didn't want to stop it there because there's more to the story. And so joining us for this week's episode is Carlin and his wife, Angela. Stay tuned to get her side of the story. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Grow With Tim podcast. I'm Tim Joyner, and these are my guests, Carlin Tucker, you met last episode, and his lovely wife, Angela. Angela, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. So we are in your beautiful home near Breckenridge. Thank you for hosting us. You're welcome. We've had a wonderful last couple of days. Went skiing today. It was a great time. We talked to Carlin on the last episode about kind of how he got from where he started to where he is today. But I want to hear your side of the story. What's it like to be married to an entrepreneur that is never quite content for his tomorrow to be the same as his yesterday. A lot of change, a lot of growth. What's that like? Me personally, I I don't have too much of a problem with needing to always know exactly everything that's going to happen. I I kind of look at things a little bit as an an adventure. If somebody says your flight's been canceled because of weather, it's not like this is the worst day of my life. It's like, oh, cool. What can we do in the airport for the next two hours? You know, so. Did you know what you were signing up for when you married this guy? Oh, goodness, no. Yeah, (laughs) goodness, no. That's the truth. How how is life different today? All kinds of ways, I'm sure. How is life different today from when you guys met and got married? When you get married, you just, you don't know what the future holds. You don't know what you're going to end up doing, how things are going to end up. We've gone through a lot of difficulties in our life and in our marriage and certain things that has been very difficult to get through. He's been through some very strong health issues. We've had some difficulties in our uh, businesses and lost businesses, started over, started over. But we can only thank God that we are where we are because uh, it's only been by his grace that we are where we are. Yeah. I want to hear from both of you on this next question. As you have grown in business and financial success, I imagine your life has changed in lots of ways, lots of very good ways. But I imagine that it's been a challenge to maintain friendships when a lot of your peers are just, let's be honest, dealing with different kinds of problems and have different levels of opportunity. And, and I don't think for a moment that you guys are like better than everybody else and, and you think of yourselves more highly than people. But I imagine that there's, there are just some unique challenges in the, the level of social mobility that you have achieved. What's that been like and how have you navigated those challenges? And I'm interested in both of your perspectives on this. I think it helps a lot when you have a personal relationship with God because you recognize that I can be okay with who I am as long as my relationship with God is okay. And if someone has a difficulty with our lifestyle or the things we've accomplished, then I can still be okay with that because I'm not looking for affirmation from from people the, um, the way I might if I had to get my accolades from other people as opposed to knowing that I have a right relationship with God, and that makes me feel okay about things. So you you put things in perspective and priority. I also recognize that not everyone's had the same opportunities that we have, and so um, I don't uh, hold that against them at all. Angela and I want to be friends with everybody, and we love people. Angela's even way more social than I am. Everybody loves Angela. Not everybody likes Carlin because I could be more controversial or maybe more assertive or opinionated, but she's really good at seeing the other side of the story or giving them the benefit of the doubt. 
And um, so when it comes to friends, um, no matter what their economic level is or whatever, um, I rely a lot on Angela. Again, uh, we want to be friends with everybody. Angela, what about you? Do you feel like on the one side, people find it hard to relate to you, and so, or, or on the other side, maybe people are trying to become friends with you because they think they're going to have access to other opportunities. Has that been a challenge? I don't know of anybody that wants to that, that is thinking, oh, let, let's be friends with her because of that. I, I'm just interested in people. I'm curious. I want to know. Uh, I love to see people's houses. I love to see what makes them tick, what they're interested in. So, I mean, I'm just genuinely interested in what they enjoy and what they like to, you know, what colors they like in their home or whatever, because I'm a very visual person. I just, I like to get to know them better and find out more who they are. So I don't typically have too much problem with that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's probably a greater challenge for other people to become friends with us than it does for us to want to be their friends, because they put um, maybe... Um, parameters on the relationship or what they would expect of it or or um, maybe they're challenged by it um, somehow but you know God's taken away everything we've had twice and uh, so we give him all the credit for it and it makes you much more appreciative and humble about it so it's it's a lot easier to probably be friends with someone who recognizes that the important things in life are not my home and not the car I drive mm-hmm. um, but it's our relationships yeah awesome Awesome. Yeah. Let's change the topic a little bit. Um, Carlin, how has Angela been part of your success? I know you wouldn't say it's your success, it's your plural success, but yeah. how have you guys been partners in achieving what you've achieved? You know, I, I rely upon uh, the Bible a lot. It says, and the Bible says there's safety in the counsel of many. Probably the greatest safety when it comes to counsel is your spouse. They know you the best, they know what's going on, you can share with them, you know that they have um, a genuine interest in wanting to give you the best advice possible. And um, if I've ever made a mistake, it's because I didn't share with her or ask her her opinion on what it was that we, I was thinking about and considering doing. And I hope that I've learned that lesson by now because whenever I've included her, I've made better decisions by far. She has a perspective on things that, that I don't always um, remember that she would have it or that she'll come up with something that's like, I didn't think of that. Why didn't I think of that? And, and in the um, confines of my mind, sometimes I give myself more credit than I should. It's like... I, I think I've thought of everything about this. I probably don't need to share with her. And then I realize, oh, I just made another mistake. <clears throat> so um, having someone you can confide in that you know has your best interests at heart um, is, uh, uh, is very helpful. Even, uh, you, I'm sure you've discovered this, Tim, when you verbalize what you're thinking and you hear yourself say it out loud, especially to your spouse, um, even that process alone helps you think through it better than if you didn't have a chance to share it verbally out loud with someone else. Mm, yeah. So true. Angela, what have, what have been some of the coolest opportunities that you've enjoyed because of the business, because of the resources that uh, God has blessed you guys with, and the, the position in life that you've uh, achieved? What are some of the cool opportunities that you've been able to take advantage of? You know, one thing that I actually really enjoy getting to think about is when we plan an event for our the brokers or the agents that we have i think about okay what what would be fun and and what would be pretty and what would look pleasing to them or i enjoy thinking about how this would affect other people and i mean i kind of like hospitality type mindset we have a, a home that we bought from some friends of ours years ago and we turned it into a vacation rental home and so then 
all of those kind of things. It's like, how, how would somebody like to come in here and feel welcome and feel like this is a, a homey place? And, and so I like to kind of create atmospheres. Um, I've done a lot, you know, even just at the office, trying to decorate and buy things for it. And I love different cultures. I love to travel. And so I'm looking forward to doing more of that as, as maybe we get older because we've had kids at home and stuff and, and they're finally kind of uh, not at home anymore. But uh, not everybody gets to do all the things that they want to do as they get older. And, and so I'm looking forward to getting to see new things and travel and, and um, that's not something that everybody gets to do. Yeah, I might add to that, one of the things that Angel and I have had the great joy in being involved with is a um, 501c3 nonprofit called IGO Global Outreach. And um, we're on the board with our friends Mike and Lisa Reddick, and uh, we've had the opportunity for, I think, the better part of 15 years now um, to impact people um, in many ways um, around the world, primarily Southeast Asia, but also in Africa and other places. And we've helped um, build homes after um, t typhoons, or we've helped um, uh, them with uh, food or medicines when they were destitute. Um, we've built orphanages. We've helped um, provide um, uh, education. Um, we've um, shared the gospel. People have never had a chance to hear it. We've had Bibles printed and shipped around the world. Um, and so being able to know that you're generally helping people that, mm -hmm. that don't even hardly have but the clothes on their back. You know, it's, I think twice about if I'm thinking about maybe I want a new car and it's going to cost X amount, it runs through my mind. Well, if I took that same amount of money and I sent it through um, IGO, um, we could probably provide this many meals or this much, these, these many children's education. Um, and uh, it really causes you to think twice. And, and uh, you know, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Wow, it feels great when you can help other people that can't help themselves. Mm -hmm. And God's put us in a position where we're able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, we currently have, um, I'm actually right now trying to get funding for 57 students in Myanmar that have, they only have a place to stay but they're sleeping on mats on the floor, and I'm trying to raise money to have people so that they have food to eat because they can't afford to do everything for mm -hmm. them. So I'm currently working on that. Yeah, cool. That sort of leads into my next question. You know, a lot of seven, eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs and business owners that have achieved a level of success find themselves really unhappy and really empty. So I'm curious, what brings you joy? Because I get the impression that money, I mean, money has its benefits, of course, and I don't think you would, you know, prefer to be without it, but I don't think that's what really drives either no. one of you. Yeah. So what brings you joy? I think with me, it's relationships. I mean, it's, it's my relationship with, with Carlin, it's my relationship with my kids and my grandkids and friends that I have. I mean, we've kind of joked, well not even joke, but I've said, you know, I could be living in the most beautiful place on the planet, and if he and I aren't getting along, then I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. Or as I could be, you know, in the Sahara with a tent, and if we're doing okay, then, then it's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, for me, it's a life of service. I love helping other people, no matter what kind of help it is. They've had all these shows on TV about I'm alone in Alaska. Mm. I could never do that. There's no one there. There's no other people. I can't help anyone. There's just me. It feels a little bit um, introspective or selfish or everything's directed at me. I'm a lot happier when I'm involved with other people's lives, whether it be training financial advisors on what I've had success with or um, helping people through um, IGO or a local church with um, ministries or um, needs that they have. 
and um, being able to be in a position where you can impact other people's lives, whether it be um, for uh, eternity or their relationships with God or whether it's uh, their business and uh, having more success there, a better marriage, a better parent, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I've probably made every mistake in the book, so why not just ask me and I can tell you what to not do um, and you can maybe have a little better life as a result of it. Yeah, I love it. You guys have been married how long? 37 or 38 now? <laughs> this is 20, 23, so. Going on 40, close yeah, to 40, we'll yeah. call it that. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere what, in there. What, what's been one of the greatest challenges that you faced? Uh. <laughs> I, I think, like she said, we've never had a salary. We've never had um, a nine-to-five job. Yeah. Um, uh, we haven't had set vacations. There's been no structure almost at all in our life. Um, as an entrepreneur, you're kind of freewheeling. So um, when all that's working out, it's fine. But when it doesn't work out, um, you don't have a lot of uh, structure to lean on or whatever. So you've got to be like, okay, uh, we have to be okay with each other independent of the current circumstances and you learn how to grow in maturity in your relationship with your spouse um, so that um, that you recognize I love them independent of the environment we're in or um, whether the business is working out at this moment or not um, because they're far more important to me than the business I, I would never uh, trade my wife or my children or my family for the business you know they, they are a much higher priority in, in our lives God's the most important thing to us then each other, our children, and so on. The business is way down here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Angela, what would you say? What's been one of the most challenging um, events or occurrences in your life together? I I think just, and maybe this is you know unfair or whatever, but because of Carlin's personality and who he is, and he's he's very driven, and he's you know always got his eye on the prize, and and there's things that come along with that personality, and he sometimes isn't as patient or you know whatever as as he could be, but then you know I've got all my own sets of <laughs> of things that that come into it, but I think I don't know I I can't really well, think you know when I had to have open heart surgery and he, and I. That was the one percenter where everything is not supposed to happen to you. Yeah. It only happens to one percent of the mm. people. That that was the column that I yeah. fell in, mm. and so it, it makes you think through. I'm sure she had thoughts. Well, I'm in the hospital and she has to leave at night without me, and I'm in intensive care. She's like, probably like, what's life going to be like if he doesn't pull through? I mean, we had young children, and so, but God uses those um, life stretching moments to um, help you again become more dependent upon Him instead of um, maybe the husband or the paycheck or whether it was something in the bank account or. Whatever. Yeah. I want to turn now to advice uh, for other people that are maybe not as experienced or successful or as far along in life as you guys are. And I've got a number of specific categories in mind. But let's start with you, Angela. Let's say that you're talking to a young woman that's about to marry uh, somebody with aspirational mm. uh, entrepreneurial ideas. Sure. They're, they're going to be an entrepreneur. And maybe she didn't come from an entrepreneurial family. Sure. What advice would you have for her? Or I for think, him in a reverse right, situation. Right, right. No, I think being the, the cheerleader, being the you can do this, we can do this, having a positive attitude and saying, you know, that I know you can handle this and, you know, God's going to help you with this. And so always just trying to always be there in supporting of them and not say, okay, so are you kidding me? We didn't get 
paid for this, or you you didn't make that sale, and now I can't get that new set of jeans or whatever. You know? How would that have been different, Carlin, if, if she wasn't your cheerleader, if instead she was your critic saying, are you kidding me? What, what would that impact have been on the trajectory yeah, of your life? I think it would have been significant, because I've told her many times, I can't do what I'm doing if it hadn't been for all of your support, and knowing that you're um, there every moment when I can't be for our kids, too. Um, when they, you know, She was a stay-at-home mom and largely raised our children, it wasn't that I was absent from that. I loved our kids, but but you got to spend time at work too. And so she was with them much more than I was. And I loved our kids, so I couldn't do what I was doing there if it weren't for her to replace my absence at times mm-hmm. um, with uh, the rearing of our children. And um, also, I think if she had been my critic instead of my support, then maybe it gives you a little less desire to want to go out and try something else because I value the relationship of the marriage. And if my um, tendency towards risk created friction in our marriage if her personality had been different it probably wouldn't have worked very well um, in business I would have either had to pull back or maybe you find yourself saying did I marry the right person and um, that would be terrible to get to that point so I'm so grateful that God put us together and neither one of us had any idea what he was going to bring in our lives um, because when we met at Arizona State University you know we're just two happy-go-lucky kids that that um, were attracted to each other and thought we had some things in common and and but if God had shown us our lives in front of us, we'd been so scared we would have never done it. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I remember one of my first employees. I didn't find this out until much later, but I found out that the day that he signed an employment contract, this was maybe it was my first employee. Come to think of it, and so I was a young, unproven entrepreneur. And evidently, I found this out much later. His wife was adamantly opposed. She thought that I was going to fail and that the company was going to fail and that he had no business taking this position. And so the day that he signed that employment contract, he went home and there was a note on the table that said, you should have listened to me. And she'd moved out Mm. and he got her back. I didn't know any of this was happening in real time, but he was chronically late. He was always leaving early. He was always taking six days. His heart was not. And it was so puzzling because I'd known him for years. And I knew that that wasn't the kind of person. I couldn't figure out why. And I eventually fired him. And years later, after they got a divorce, I found out that story. And I thought, well, no wonder. He didn't have the support of his wife. A, shame on him for not listening to his wife. B, shame on her for not supporting him better. And it was just such a, it made it so hard for him to succeed without that support. So yeah. kudos to you for mm. being yeah. being a Yeah, we're a team. Yeah, that's cool. What would you say to somebody entrepreneur or not that's getting married you've been married for 40 years almost almost 40 years and obviously have learned some things along the way what advice would you have for a young couple about to get married in regards to marriage how how do you you make a marriage work so well for so long because i I mean the stats are that 50 percent of marriages end in divorce some of them quite quickly and a lot of the 50 percent that persist are very unhappy Mm -hmm. and not very successful Mm -hmm. so what would you say that uh, maybe is a secret that you guys have discovered that would be beneficial to somebody else Uh, when we were dating um, I loved doing things for her so if I thought I'd like to buy her a pair of blue jeans I'd also buy her the shirt then I'd buy her the earrings and then I'd get her shoes and uh, because why did I do that because I loved her and I wanted to show her and demonstrate that well then when you get married Um, hopefully that doesn't go away and when you're first married it probably doesn't so hang on to that and then translate that into I should probably serve her needs greater than my own and put her ahead of myself be selfless in this relationship Um, and uh, I've heard it said before you can't change your spouse if there's something you don't like about them but you can change yourself 
So just change yourself and let God work on them if there's something that needs to be worked on. And um, uh, probably Angel's done that a lot because God's worked on me a whole bunch. <laughs> In fact, maybe if she could stop asking him to keep working on me as much, it'd be good. But, um, but I think um, trying to be selfless because in a relationship where you're willing to give of yourself to the other individual and put their needs ahead of your own, oh man, it's great. The, the, the love will come back to you many times over. Mm, yeah. And I think about when people like church hop, for instance, mm -hmm. that, you know, whenever you, you don't like the situation that you're in or, or job hopping or, or whatever it is, and then they move into the next one and then they move into the next one and, and you're just you're taking yourself with you every time and, and the problems that you have. And I, I've met so many people that have said, it's like, well, I guess my problems in the first marriage, it's not like they all went away. At some point, you've got to sit there and say, okay, what do I need to do to make this be successful and yeah yeah and um look yourself in the mirror and say what what can i do better or uh help better i tell a lot of people the hardest place to look for change is in the mirror and yet it yields the greatest results <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt no doubt i've met some of your kids i'm sure they're not perfect but from where i sit they seem pretty successful what advice do you have for young parents? I just think that there, you've got to, just with your kids, think about all the things that is necessary for them to be rounded, well-rounded individuals. And sometimes that just takes a lot of sacrifice on your own part. Um, sometimes it just comes down to loving them unconditionally. And that isn't always the easiest thing to do. But everybody's got, we've all got problems you know and so they've, they've got their own set but I still love them mm -hmm. that's what I was gonna say is love them unconditionally because if they feel like they have to perform or be somebody they're not in order to get your love that's a terrible place for them to be in so um, you give them a lot of freedom to be who they are that doesn't mean that you approve of all their actions and you still have to correct them but if for whatever reason if you had a child that was stubborn or whatever and you're trying to correct a particular behavior and they're resisting it you still love them through all of that process and eventually i think they may not have appreciated the correction but they'll appreciate the unconditional love and as they get older um, i think that'll make a big impact and they don't forget that you know you've heard it said before i don't remember um, what they said but i remember how they made me feel mm -hmm. um, and i think that mm -hmm. uh, if you've done a great job at parenting as your own kids get older they're going to be they're going to say I don't remember all the details, but I remember my parents love me. Yeah. 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 And I think sometimes parents, I have observed other families sometimes where it's like you feel like they've got like a favorite child or whatever. And maybe I'm ignorant, but um, I genuinely don't feel like I, of my children, that I have a favorite because they're so different. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I can't say maybe I like this one for this part, mm -hmm. but that's different in this one. So uh, they're all individuals and you just kind of got to love their strengths. One other thing that comes to my mind, we love eating out. And so even when our children were young, we'd go to restaurants a lot and our kids were very well behaved. And all the time, other patrons in the restaurant come up to Angela or I and say, your kids are so well behaved. Um, it's just amazing. Or what do you do? Or, and I think the only thing we could put our finger on is, is that we, every week we're in church and the children have to learn to sit quietly. And if they can sit for an hour in church quietly, they can sit for you know half an hour in a restaurant mm -hmm. quietly, and um, and then also maybe just uh, we I think our kids loved us too, and we had a great relationship, and 
And um, you know, if they wanted to order a hot dog, they could order a hot dog and fill it with mac and cheese in the bun, whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When I was growing up, I always assumed that we had enough. I never felt like we were poor necessarily, mm -hmm. but it never crossed my mind that we were wealthy. And uh, one day, I think I was in college, I was helping my dad with Uter, and I saw his portfolio balance, and I was just floored that evidently we were actually quite wealthy. And it never crossed my mind because the, the standard of living was not there. And so I, I would say that my siblings and I did not grow up with any sense of entitlement or, you know, but, sure. but what would you say to somebody that does have means that's trying to raise kids that are stalled down to earth and not, you know, taking that wealth for granted, not abusing it, they're mm. still willing to work hard and be grounded. How do you raise kids with wealth that still turn out okay? I, I think um, what your parents probably did was wise and that they didn't mm -hmm. share their wealth with you because uh, that's not the important thing really in life. And a lot of kids can grow up really well adjusted families that don't have any wealth at all. So wealth or not wealth is not really the, the key to um, turning out well-adjusted kids. Uh, I probably, Angel and I were somewhat similar. We grew up in homes that were modest in terms of their income or their abilities, but neither one of us felt poor. We always felt like we had uh, what we needed uh, and we certainly didn't feel like we were wealthy either, um, but it, it almost didn't occur to us. And, and similar to you, um, as our children have gotten older, some of them have become more aware as they start earning money. It's like, wow, you must be doing pretty well because I can't begin to afford the things that you have. And, but now they're a little older and they can handle it a little bit better. They understand the economics of the dollar a little better. And you begin to share some things like rich dad, poor dad, you know, and, and how to I'm invest. I'm that with my teenager right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How to invest money um, properly, how to manage the money, don't go into debt. Um, one of the, the things that we've done, held to, and we teach our kids is all you really need is one credit card. You know, don't have one for every department store that's out there and everything else. It just is too temptation, uh, too much temptation. The interest rates are terrible and pay the card off every single 30 days. So you, you find some principles like that. We always uh, are faithful in giving God first. Uh, the, uh, that helps you recognize that it's not our money. You know, you thought you earned it. Well, when God takes it away from you a couple of times, you realize, well, maybe I didn't actually. And, uh, but, um, yeah, as far as the yeah. credit cards, I've, I've tried. I even called them from Pottery Barn one time. I think I should get this because look at all the perks I could get. No, it, it, it didn't fly. Yeah. What, what is your position on debt? I think that uh, debt for personal things, like if you went into debt to buy clothes or lifestyle or take a trip, that's not good. But if the debt is um, leveraged in business to help you uh, make an income, real estate is one of the best leveraging investments you can do but not many people um, have $200,000 go out buy a $200,000 home and pay cash for it. Mm -hmm. So you gotta get a mortgage on it. I think that's fine because uh, you're gonna pay 200,000 for the home that you know in 10 years will be 300,000 or 400,000. And, uh, and then you can pay off the mortgage and you're back to a cash position again. Uh, I think you wanna work your way towards being debt free when you're nearing um, retirement. Uh, but um, we've had debt our entire life, but um, primarily it's been mortgages. It's not been on cars. We pay cash for cars. We pay cash, we pay cash for everything except for if we're doing a real estate deal. Um, and uh, so that's what we've tried to instill in our kids. Yeah. Anything you would add to that about how to raise grounded kids despite, you know, significant means? I, you know, I'm thankful in some ways that I didn't have the means and didn't have the choice because mm -hmm. I didn't have the choice. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying that you can't, you can raise 
kids in an environment like that, but I think you just have to be really careful because you don't want um, kids to feel that, that they have an entitlement, and then you want them to have a good work ethic. And I know when um, our kids were younger or, you know, getting kind of teenage age, we kind of had a discussion and do we say, okay, you need to go get a job so that you can, like, pay for your gas but in our situation, we ended up allowing them to play sports, and we didn't require them to have a job. But the sports, they were all team sports, and it all taught them, you know, that you're part of a team and you got to hold on to, you know, and be They were be learning work the, ethic and loyalty uh, and discipline yeah, and persistence. Absolutely. They yeah. had to work really hard for their yeah. positions and go to practice, and it was like having a job. Yeah. One or two more questions, and we'll wrap up. Carlin, in our last episode, we talked about lots of business success, um, but we didn't really get into personal finance. Let's say that there's somebody out there that happy with their job, or maybe they've got a business and they're 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 good. What's one or two or three financial tips or suggestions that you might offer to them? How do they manage the money that they have, yeah. not by investing into their business necessarily, but yeah. in other ways? First thing is create probably a six month. Um, rainy day savings in case you lose your job or whatever so uh, you don't um, have to damage your credit if you lost your job if you got a cushion there number one create the cushion number two uh, get out of debt um, and uh, again I'm assuming this is personal debt not business but the interest rates with the, the environment we're in today that interest rates on uh, personal debt are going up it's going to make it unaffordable get out of debt number three then uh, live below your means so that you can take the excess between what you're earning and what you're making and, uh, and put it towards savings and uh, put it in um, the stock market and maximize your 401k plan at work, get the employer to uh, match it if you're in a scenario like that um, and uh, fund the qualified plans that you can. Go beyond that and continue to save and put money in um, the stock market. Also, um, view the stock market as a long-term investment. You won't be happy with it if it has to make you money every day, week, month, or year because it doesn't. But if you can have a five-year horizon or even longer, Warren Buffett says if you fell asleep for 10 years and then woke up and looked at your statements, you'll have way more money than if you look at it every day because we're emotional creatures and you make the wrong decisions. Mm. So um, take the long term. And then real estate has really served us well. Uh, so we started out with our personal home. Eventually we were able to get um, a rental, which we turned into Verbo. Um, this home we have as well. We've got our office building. Um, so um, you, it doesn't take a lot of money to have a down payment on a modest home and then get someone there renting it. And now they're paying your mortgage for you and you're benefiting by the appreciation of that property. So mm -hmm. if you were willing to put off stuff, you'll have a much better future. Yeah, yeah, great, great. Any last words of wisdom for a listening audience, whether they be for maybe a, a business owner or an entrepreneur, for an investor, for a newlywed, for a parent, uh, a spouse? I think if you put God first in your life, it makes it easy. Everything else falls into place. Uh, you find it easier to be a better husband. You find it easier to be a better father. It's easier to be a better employer on um, the way you treat your employees and um, how you uh, care for them. And, and certainly then you have the desire to want to do right for all of the people that you're clients. Um, and that serves you really well. Um, the Bible says that your reputation is worth more than the price of rubies. Um, so if you do what's right for people every time, not just when it's convenient, um, but even if it's going to cost you money, I remember uh, reading in, uh, well, Angela and I went to Sam Walton's um, museum down in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, and there was a case with a uh, coffee thermos. Someone had driven over it, smashed it up, 
and the caption said that the woman brought it back to the store and said to Sam Walton it was defective. It said he immediately returned her money, even though Walmart had never sold that brand of thermos. Um, so you do what's what was right for people, even sometimes if it's wrong for yourself, because in the in the end and in, in the long run, it all comes out and everything will be great. Mm. You don't have to win every time. Just mm. take the long view. Yeah, great. Angela, any final words? <laughs> I'm just thinking of silly things. That's, so, yeah. you know, share the remote. And, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm never good at that. That's yeah. what, wise words, right? <laughs> yeah, share yeah. the remote. That's good. Yeah. Carl and Angela, thank you so much. I've enjoyed spending some time with you these last two days. Yeah. And um, thank you for sharing your home and for sharing your ideas and your life. And um, it's, been, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you're much. welcome. Thanks for listening to today's Grow With Tim podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to show us some love by following us here and on our other social media platforms. You'll find all the links at growwithtim.com.